We're starting a new series tonight, which I'm really excited about, and I'll explain what that series is in just a moment. Uh, But here we are in Genesis chapter 22. Names are important. Names are important. Names carry a lot of weight. Names have a lot of meaning. Uh, No matter. Uh, Names matter. They matter in our lives. They matter in our world. Uh, Names carry a certain association. Okay, so when I say the name Michael Jordan, you're going to think basketball. One of the greatest players, probably one of the greatest athletes of all times, of all time. Uh, when I say the name Bill Gates, you'll probably think money. Uh, when I say the name George Washington, you'll probably think president. Uh, when I say the name Hillary Clinton, I'm just kidding, I won't go there, I won't go there. Let's dive back into our emails. I mean, Bible study, sorry. But names, they carry a certain association. Uh, nobody's going to name their kid uh, Adolf Hitler. And, and no one's going to name their kid Benedict Arnold because those names carry a negative association with it. Uh, when, when, when you get married and you, you start having kids, uh, you pay very close attention to what you name your children because you'll know people in your past, oh, I, I, can't, I can't name our, our baby this because I, I dated him or I dated her and, and we can't name our child this. You know, when, when Morgan and I, we were having kids, we, we have two kids. Our first uh, daughter, her name is Ava. She's two years old now. And our second daughter, she's about nine months old. And Morgan, she had a whole list of, of names for our, our second daughter. And she took those list of names to her mom and she showed her mom the whole list of names. And one of the names uh, on that list was Blair. Uh, and so she went to her mom and she showed her the list and her mom said, I love every single name on your list. Just whatever you do, don't name your daughter Blair. You see, for Morgan's mom, Blair had a certain association with that name. There was a TV show in the 80s uh, and the, the TV show I think was called The Facts of Life. And Blair was one of the characters in that show. This was a show in the 80s, so we, we'd never heard of this show. Uh, Morgan and I were a product of the 90s. We never even heard of that show, so that, that name doesn't have that certain association, but apparently... Blair, in this show, her character was very obnoxious. So she said, whatever you do, don't name your daughter Blair, please. And so a few months later, when our daughter is born, guess what name I wrote on the birth certificate? Blair. It was great. I wrote wrote out the name Blair, and and it wasn't because I didn't like her mom, but because I loved her mom, and it was just a little fun, spiteful joke between me and my mother-in-law. But her name is Blair, and because that didn't have that certain association with it. But names, they have certain weight. They have certain meaning. And names are important. Uh, When you uh, get married and your wife, gentlemen, when she takes your last name, it's it's showing that commitment, that relationship. Um, When she, Morgan, changed her last name to Hamrick, it it showed that kind of association. Uh, When we try to get people's autographs um, on a baseball, Uh, or on a book, like an author. We love an author, and so we get their autograph on that book. Their name, now attached to that specific object, gives that object much more value because it has that person's name on it. And so if names matter among people who come and go, how much more important and valuable and meaningful are the names of God presented to us in Scripture? If Names are important among people here on earth, and and we're here for only a short time. People pass, people come and go. Then how much more important in Scripture, when we dig out Scripture and we see the different names of God, how much more important are the names of God revealed to us in Scripture? And one of the best ways to get to know God intimately and personally 
is by understanding the different names he's given in Scripture. So over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to study a few of the different key names and titles of the Lord. And when we study the different names and titles of the Lord by understanding his different names, it'll help us understand three things. What God is like, uh, how God operates, and how to know him better. So over the next few weeks, as we dive into God's word and we study and dig out the different names of God, it'll help us, these three things, it'll help us understand what God is like when we understand his name. It'll help us uh, see how God operates, and it'll help us to know the Lord better. So that's my goal over the next few weeks. The Bible has a lot to say about the value and the worth of God's name. Exodus 27 says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So God's name is to be revered. God's name is holy. Christian, when you say, oh my God, that is not using God's name in a uh, sacred manner, and it was actually punishable by death in the Old Testament. Thank the Lord we're under grace now. But when we use that phrase, it is blaspheming God's holy name. God's name is important. God's name holds value. Matthew, uh, six, cha- Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 says, Jesus told his disciples to pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means holy. Holy is the name of God. God's name is holy. Proverbs 18.10, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs to it and is safe. God's name is a shelter for us. It's a form of protection when we run to the name of God. We're proclaiming the name of God. We're running to him for safety. Psalm 8 verse 1 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. God's name is majestic. God's name is holy. God's name is great. God's name is strong. God's name is to be revered. God's name has so much worth, meaning, weight, and value. Everyone with me? So God's name is important. So the first name of God we're going to look at tonight is God's name, Jehovah Jireh. Many of you are very familiar with this title, with this name associated with God, Jehovah Jireh. We find it here in Genesis chapter 2, and it means God will provide. God will provide. We love this name. We love this title. Many of you are familiar with it, especially if you've grown up in the church. We love saying Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. If we find a $20 bill on the ground, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. Me and uh, Nathan, the worship leader, we were at uh, Jersey Mike's just a couple weeks ago, and we walked in just to grab some lunch, and uh, we got our order. They fixed it up there. Do you want it Mike's way? Yeah, sure, I'll have it Mike's way. Got, got through the, the sub line. They fixed our sandwich, wrapped it up, and as soon as we got to the counter to pay, uh, Nathan put in his credit card, and it wouldn't work. And he, he did it at least 10 times, and the manager was there pressing all these different buttons trying to get it to work. He said, well, Austin, maybe your credit card will work. And so I was like, okay, I'll pay for both of us. So swipe my card, and, and nothing would work. And we are like, oh, my gosh, this is great. This is awesome. And so our credit card's not working, and then the manager presses in a couple buttons, and he says, all right, gentlemen, uh, you guys can just, the sub's on me today. Uh, enjoy. I can't get the credit card machine to work. So we walked out, and we were saying, Jehovah Jireh. This is great. The Lord is my provider. Now, we're going to see here in Genesis chapter 22 how the, the meaning, my provider, the Lord will provide, has so much more weight than just finding 20 bucks or getting a free sub. Oh, the Lord is my provider. We're going to see how it has so much more meaning than that. So we find the name here in Genesis 22, and specifically verse 14. I have it here on the screen. 
It says, and Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. It's underlined there because that phrase is the Hebrew, Jehovah Jireh. Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The Lord will provide. It's the Hebrew, Jehovah Jireh. Um, but let's back up a little bit and look at the whole story to appreciate uh, the whole name and, and why it's so important here. So we're going to understand what God is like, how God operates, and how we can know him better. So le- let's look at verse 1 of chapter 22 together. It says this, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. I'm going to read that again and, and circle this word tested. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Now, it came to pass that God tested Abraham. Oftentimes, we won't recognize or appreciate God as our provider until we go through times of testing. Can anybody attest to that? We won't appreciate or recognize God's hand of provision in life until sometimes we go through periods of trials and testing. Anyone walking through a trial or feel that they're being tested tonight will be on the lookout because God may just provide for your situation. Let's look at verse 2. Then God said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. So he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Now, what is going on here? Why in the world would God ask Abraham to take his only son Isaac through Sarah and take him up to a mountain and and sacrifice him unto the Lord. It's an interesting note here where it says, take your son whom you love. It's the very first word that the word love appears in the Bible. You can circle or highlight that. The very first time the word love appears in all of the Bible is right here in Genesis chapter 22. Does anybody else find it interesting that the very first time the word love appears in the Bible is associated with a father giving up his son to be sacrificed? Where else do we see that parallel in Scripture? When God so loved the world that he gave his only son to be sacrificed for our sin. Very first time the word love appears in the Bible. But this whole scene just doesn't make sense. I mean, if you read through this and and God commands Abraham to kill his only son, this whole scene just doesn't make sense. Why would God tell Abraham to do this? Dr. Tony Evans, a great pastor, he said this, Sometimes when God wants to show you his name and ability to provide, he will put you in a situation that doesn't make sense. I love this. That sometimes when God wants to prove himself to you, when God wants to reveal his name to you, when God wants to reveal his ability to you, it can only happen when you're put in situations that just don't make sense. Because then God makes sense out of your senseless situation. So Abraham is in this situation that doesn't make sense to him. God, you're telling me to do what? You're telling me to take my son, my only son whom I love, up to a mountain and to sacrifice him? This doesn't make sense. But Abraham pushes through. So if you're in a certain situation right now where there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of confusion, something just doesn't quite make sense, be on the lookout because God loves seemingly senseless situations to show you his ability. So Abraham, it says, he gets up early the next morning. I find that kind of funny because it seems like he just wants to get out before his wife Sarah wakes up and finds out what he's about to do. 
So he gets up early in the morning, he's on his way, and he goes to do what God asked of him. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. I'm going to read that again. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here. So he's got some helpers, some servants with him. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. We will come back to you. Now, I love Abraham's response in this situation that doesn't make sense. What does he do? He worships. He's like, okay, God, you've asked me to take my only son, whom I love, to sacrifice him. So he gets Isaac, who is probably more like a young adult at this time. A lot of our Bible stories paint him to be this child. He's probably a young adult our age, Isaac is. So he takes Isaac, and he proceeds to do this, but he tells his helpers, he says, hey, just wait here. Me and my son, we're going to go worship together, and we will come back. Did you notice that? He says, we both, we are going to return. But I love Abraham's response to this seemingly senseless situation. He responds by worshiping the Lord. And it, it is crazy that Abraham says, we're going to come back. We're both going to return. Because this, is, this seems weird because he's like, I, I'm, I'm getting ready to go up and kill my kid. But then, but then he says, we're both going to return. Abraham's basically saying, I'm not sure how God is going to do this. But I believe that I can still obey God even when it doesn't make sense, even when I don't have the full picture, and I'm going to leave it to God to work all this out. So David, or David, Abraham rather, he goes up to the mountain and he, he's like, I'm just going to worship the Lord. And I love this because he responds with obedience. Even though I don't see the full picture, I'm still going to proceed with obedience. Is this tough for anyone else other than just me? I do not like to proceed with things until I can see the full picture. I don't like to be the first one to do anything first. All right, if, if there's a challenge even, I got to see how someone else does it and then I want to do it because I've seen someone else do it. I need to see the full picture be before I proceed with anything. But Abraham, he just trusts the Lord. Okay, even though I don't see the full picture, even though I don't ho know how my life is going to turn out right now, I'm still going to proceed with obedience Listen, just because you don't see the full picture of your life and how it will all turn out, don't allow that to keep you from obeying God. Because here's what, te what tends to happen to us as young adults. Life doesn't make sense right now. God doesn't make sense right now. I don't see the full picture of my life. I'm getting frustrated. So I'm going to bypass God, go around God to find other means to fulfill my happiness. I see it time and time again with us as young adults. I don't see the full picture of my life. Life is frustrating. Life doesn't make sense. God doesn't make sense. I have a lot of questions about God. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go outside the boundaries God has put in front of me. Why obey God when I don't even see the fruit of my obedience? I'm going to go outside God and his boundaries for my life, and I'm going to fulfill happiness through other means. And it does not work. It leaves you dry. Even though the task might be difficult, and pressing through with obedience in your life and obeying the Lord, even when it seems hard and difficult and doesn't make sense, trust the Lord's process and obey. Obey the Lord when things don't make sense. Abraham worshipped when his situation didn't make sense. And there's no better time to worship the Lord than when life doesn't make sense. Now you might think, well, when life doesn't make sense, when God doesn't make sense, 
again, I'm going to go outside God. No, there is no better response than to, when life doesn't make sense, than to worship the Lord. Because it's saying, okay, Lord, I don't get this. I'm trying. Life is frustrating. I don't understand it. But I'm going to worship you as a sign of submission. I'm going to worship you as a, as a sign to say, okay, Lord, you're in control. You're going to do this. You've got me. I'm going to trust on you. I'm going to rely on your promises. I'm going to worship you when life doesn't make sense. I love this response from Abraham. Let's continue. Let's look at verse 6 together. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood... But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? You can circle that. That's the first time the word lamb appears in the Bible. Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. And then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And then he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And God said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. It's a crazy story here. Abraham takes Isaac, he binds him up, puts him on the altar that he builds. He's just about to plunge the knife into his only son. Can you imagine this? His dad, I mean, can you imagine Isaac? He's like, what in the world is going on here? And Abraham, he's about to plunge the knife into his only son. But before that happens, it says an angel of the Lord, he appears and he shouts, Abraham, Abraham. He stops him. And he says, I've provided for you a ram. He says, now I know that you fear me and that you've not even withheld your only son. The Bible says he provided then a ram in the thicket. And Abraham sacrificed the ram instead. So he provided the ram instead. This is where we get the name Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. Now, here's a great note here that we all needed to need to take in. Abraham's obedience preceded God's provision. Abraham's obedience preceded God's provision. Abraham committed to obeying the Lord first and then saw God provide. What's crazy, and I'm guilty of this myself, is we want all of God's blessings, but we don't want to obey God to get it. We want to obey all of God's uh, we want all of God's blessings, but we don't want to obey God to get it. We want the Lord to provide uh, us with a, a godly spouse. So let your obedience precede that provision. You want a godly spouse in your life? Then let your obedience precede God's provision. Here's what tends to happen in our demographic especially. We want a godly spouse, but instead of using obedience to precede that provision... Instead of using obedience and going through obedience to perceive God's provision of that godly spouse, we fill our time with sexual promiscuity. Why? Why do we do that? When God wants to provide you with something, allow obedience 
to precede God's provision. Don't fill your time with doing stuff outside of God's boundaries for sexual purity. Now, I'm not saying that if you obey God that, you know, it's not like everyone who gets married really young, oh, well, they must have really obeyed God because they got a spouse really early in life. No, it's, it's not like that. I mean, a lot of people can just marry hastily for no reason. But it's important to note that it is really important for our obedience to precede God's provision. So if you want a godly spouse, precede God's provision by obeying the Lord in your purity, with your thoughts, with your mind. If you want a job, precede that provision by obeying the Lord, by filling out your resume, by working hard, by not just sitting on the couch. Okay, our obedience precedes God's provision in our life. Obedience precedes provision. It's key. Obedience precedes provision. Obedience precedes provision. If you want God to provide in your life, in in certain areas or in certain ways, and it could be a spouse or it could be a job or it could be something else, while you are waiting for the Lord to provide, fill that time of waiting with, okay, God, I'm just going to obey you. I don't necessarily see the fruit of my obedience right away, but I'm just going to be faithful to obey. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to follow after you. I'm going to understand your guidelines and parameters. I'm going to walk in them. I'm going to obey you. And watch how the Lord provides for you in ways that you could never imagine. But don't try to rush things and go outside of God's will or God's timing to get what you want. We want all of God's blessings, but we're not willing to obey God and wait for God to provide. And when the Lord provided for Abraham, Abraham proclaimed, Jehovah Jireh. Now the Hebrew, it's actually, Jehovah Jireh is the anglicized phrase. Uh, the Hebrew is Yahweh Yireh, Yahweh Yireh, Jehovah Jireh. So what does this tell us about the character and the nature of the Lord? Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah is God, Jireh is will provide. So God will provide, but there's a deeper meaning to this. The root word for Jireh is Re'ah, and it's a verb that means to see, to see. So the deeper root meaning of Jehovah Jireh is God will see. Now, how do you get from see to provide? It's really saying God will see to it. God will see to it. God will take care of it. God will handle it. God will provide. Tonight, if you don't hear anything else from me, just know that God sees you. That God sees right where you are. In your situation. And in your season, in your circumstance, God sees you. This is the kind of God that we serve. A God who is not far off. A God who is not just a God in the sky who just set things in motion and has his hands off now. God sees you and he cares for you. And in your situation or in your season, the Lord wants you to walk in obedience and then he says, I will see to it that I will provide. I will take care of you. I will do this for you. If you just let me and trust me and walk in obedience. You do your part. You walk in obedience. You read the word. You study it out. You walk it out. It's easy to talk on social media and not actually just walk it out in our lives. But God says, listen, all you have to do is just be faithful to obey. And I will see to it that your needs will be met. Not always in our timing. Not always in the way we wanted, but the way that God provides is always better than the way we thought we could get it. 
So allow God to provide in your situation. Final takeaway for tonight, obey God and he will see to it that it's taken care of. Obey God and he will see to it that it's taken care of in his way and in his time. So I don't know what you maybe came into Young Adults with tonight. Maybe you've been frustrated. You know, a lot of this season I was just talking with Will before uh, real quickly. And I don't know about you, but the last three months have been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of highs and lows. Mostly maybe lows for a lot of us. But listen, in these specific times, there is no better name to remember God by than Jehovah Jireh. God sees you. God will see to it. And God will provide. So let's remember that about our God. Let's walk in that kind of perspective about the God we serve. Each day when you wake up, when you take your head off the pillow, just know, okay, God, I know that you see me today and that you will provide for me today. I'm just going to obey you. So it's as, it's as simple as just remembering obedience, Lord, and allowing the Lord to take care of it. I see you and I'll provide. Lord, we now just come before you and we, we are so grateful for how you reveal yourself to us this way in Scripture. Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Yireh, you will provide for us. You see us right where we are and you will provide for us. So I pray for my brothers and sisters in the room tonight. And I ask that in their season, Lord, that they would obey you. That we together as young adults, that we would just walk in obedience. And that you would then just take the rest, Lord. And we trust you as Jehovah Jireh, as Yahweh Yireh. We trust you that you'll just provide for us. That you will see that our needs are met according to your will, not according to ours. May we align our will with yours, Lord. There's a lot of us here tonight, we, we've been desiring things and we, we've been seeking things or wanting things. And, and you know the desires of our heart, Lord. And, and many of the things we desire are good, Lord, and, and they fall in line with your will. But we're, we're, we've been waiting and we've been growing frustrated, Lord. So I pray that you would just comfort us tonight, that you would just speak those words to us tonight. I see you. I've not neglected you. I know where you are. I know your situation. And I will see to it that it will be taken care of in the Lord's timing. So we trust you, God. And we now take this time to, sur to surrender to you, to submit to you, to remember you. And we are grateful that you reveal yourself to us in this way. That you provide. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said together, amen and amen.